Hey there, e-commerce enthusiasts. Let me tell you about a game changer in shipping, ShipStation. It's the ultimate platform for simplifying your shipping process. With ShipStation, you can easily import, manage, and ship your orders in no time. It integrates seamlessly with your favorite e-commerce platforms and carriers, ensuring a smooth workflow. Gain valuable insights with their powerful analytics and reporting tools. Say goodbye to shipping headaches. Visit foxcitiesmm.com slash ship and level up your shipping game today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric Waltikins. I'm Gavin Schmidt. Gavin, we're back with another one. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> two in a row, two in a row. For we us. Usually, we usually wait like a month to record these, and, yeah. and now we're doing two in a row. So. Yeah, people are listening are like, what? No, it's been two weeks. No, <laughs> no, we're, we got to get some of these knocked out before Christmas comes. So, uh, All right, so what do you got for number two on the docket? For okay, the so we're, we're going a little bit away this time. We're not, um, we're not in Kakana. We're not in Kakana. <laughs> we're, we're actually going out to Wapaka. Wow, Wapaka. Yeah, uh, which, you know, you can say, that's not the fuck cities, but come on. It's, <laughs> it's close enough. Let it slide. It's a good story. Yeah. So this is the story of the Henry Mead Bank, also known as the Wapaka Exchange and Savings Bank, but that's harder to say. So the, just the Mead Bank. And does this bank still exist? It does still exist. Okay. The ba- it's not a bank, but it, the building is still, still there. there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, but the bank itself doesn't exist anymore. It does not operate as a bank. Okay. No. Okay. Okay. So it was it was the earliest bank in Wapaka. It was started way back in 1862. And yes, like I said, the building is <laughs> still, still standing. There. Wow. So this building must be a gem at this point in time. It is. Uh, it's a rare building. Um, it's it's wood, which is actually very unusual because I don't know if people know or care, but pretty much before like the 1890s, buildings were made of wood. But the problem is, is that means most of them burned down <laughs> because we used to use oil lamps and stuff for heating and lighting. And so there's very few wooden buildings still standing. In the 1890s, they decided, hey, we're going to start building things out of brick. And those buildings still exist today. So we don't have a lot of really, really old buildings because they burned. But this one did not burn. So is this one, is this still an actively used building? Or is it just kind of maybe like a monument or something in WIPAC at this point? I don't know. Um, I can tell you it was, even after it stopped being a bank, it was used for a while. It actually was a bakery for a bit i don't know if it's actually used today or if it's like a landmark i'm not sure i don't know what pack of that well but okay so the guy who runs the henry mead bank is named henry mead ironic i know <laughs> are you shocked no I'm okay not. <laughs> and we're gonna fast forward a little bit we're not in the 1860s we're in the 1880s this is october 7th 1882 it is a dark and stormy night Henry Mead is 60 years old at this point. He's never been married. He doesn't have any children. He lives in a small room in the back of the bank. People think that he's kind of eccentric. He keeps to himself. He doesn't really have a lot of friends. Um, Every day, he doesn't have a kitchen in the bank, so he walks over and eats the local hotel. They all know him there because he's there twice a day getting his food. And that's pretty much all he does. So his only friends are like 
the waiters. And his bank customers, I'm sure. Well, he's probably friendly with the bank yeah. customers, sure. Okay. Well, the next day after this dark and stormy night, the bank doesn't open. At first, nobody seems to really notice, but the hotel gets a little suspicious when he doesn't come around for lunch. They're like, they're like, we we already made his lunch yeah. for him. It's sitting here. This guy has been here for lunch every day for years. Where is he? So they send over a guy from the hotel. Some versions of the story say two waitresses, but I think it's just a guy. He comes over. The door's locked. But he's like, oh, I'm going to be thorough. He walks around back. He peeks in the window, which goes to like the sleeping area. And he sees something pretty nasty. He sees Mead's body weltering in gore. I, th- I like that phrase. That's from the newspaper. Weltering in gore. The scene which presented itself on looking into the window was of the most sickening character. The room was spattered with blood, the floor smeared with gore, and pools of blood had collected against the baseboard. There were great chunks of oozing flesh driven into the wall by a shotgun blast. Both of his eyes, most of his nose, and that part of his face from the cheekbone to the left eye had been shot away, and flesh and blood were lying on the floor several feet from the corpse. There were bloody handprints on the wall. So, so now, that might be the nastiest did, thing we're ever going to say on this thing. Yeah, where did that come from? Was that in the newspaper? Yeah, that's a exact quote <laughs> from the Wapaka newspaper. Wow. Wake up in the morning and read that in the paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like... Like your 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 morning coffee is just gonna kind of taste nasty, I think. After that, yeah. And newspapers back this is again this is the eighteen eighties, but even up through the nineteen twenties, nineteen thirties, they were very graphic. And is because a lot of time now, if somebody commits suicide, you don't put that in the paper. Um, you know, you don't even put that in the obituary. But back then, it, it would be like the front page news. Man hangs himself, or man shoots himself in head, found by neighbor. Like that was okay to write that. So we don't we don't talk like this anymore about dead people. What I would like to know is, is the person that saw this. Mm-hmm. It is that what they told the paper when the paper asked them, or you know, like do these journalists at the paper, you know, like make it nastier because i can't imagine i don't know but this is fairly accurate to what the body what happened to the body so i mean and it just seems to me like a person that's interviewed is not going to describe a body like that right they're going to tone it down oh yeah yeah yeah. maybe they didn't back then maybe they were oh no this is definitely the newspaper writer overdoing yeah overdoing it but it's it's not that it's it's not a lie. It's just a little more detailed, detailed than... It's a little more graphic yeah. than what was probably described to them. Well, so at first, nobody knows who who did it. We don't know. Um, of course, everybody assumes it's a robbery because the guy owns a bank. So anybody who broke in and killed this guy, they're like, well, they probably stole a bunch of money as well. It's the only reasonable explanation. A few months later, they get a tip from a prostitute at Stevens Point who talks about, she's like, oh, I know the guy who did it. <laughs> and she she leads them to the guy. Well, it turns out the guy that she leads them to is her estranged husband. And they're like, I don't think this is the guy. I think you just <laughs> <a manager's> estranged <laughs> husband. 
So they arrest him, they talk to him, and they're like, pretty sure this is not the guy. She ends up then, the prostitute, she ends up getting in trouble herself. She's down in Milwaukee for a day, and she assaults and tries to kill a bar owner. Uh, Not really related to the rest of this story, but... Uh, they were like, yeah, she is not the most reliable <laughs> witness. Uh, she doesn't like her husband. She's getting, she's shooting up bars. Uh, if anybody killed him, it's probably this lady, but they know it wasn't her either. She has a pretty good alibi. So they're like, okay, not not the guy. Next, they suspect it's these two brothers who are known for being involved with some shady characters. Again, um, in the Stevens Point area, I don't know why, apparently, the Stevens Point guys are coming down to Wapaka causing trouble. But they're like, okay, no, they check it out. It's not these two guys. They then put up a reward. The county puts up a $2,000 reward for information. They're like, this is going to do it. Put up this money. <laughs> and I'm thinking $2,000 reward back then. I mean, that's a huge amount of money, it's right? De- it's, <laughs> dec- it's decent money. <laughs> yeah. It's decent money. But even with their reward, it takes Eight years <laughs> before they get anything. Before right? they get anything, and they ended up they end up arresting the man who was working as the night watchman on the night of the murder and at the bank. Not at the bank. Okay, but in, to- in town. In town. Okay. Like they didn't have a, a full like police department. They just had like a guy who stayed up all night and watched the streets. Um, I mean, this is Wapaka. There's right. like there's like what five hundred people or something. Yeah, that, that was going to be one of my questions. Do you know? I don't. The, I don't the, know. But I mean, it's back in the 1880s. I'm sure is the tiniest place. I would imagine like five hundred people is probably a stretch. Maybe. But anyway, so they the city's got the night watchman, and now they arrest him. They're like, okay, we think you did it. But even if you didn't do it, you probably know what happened because come on, if you were doing your job. <laughs> You see a guy breaking into the bank and shooting people. So they arrest him. And then from there, I don't know what they get out of this guy, but they're able to come up with another list of suspects. So they keep this guy, but they add on to that another guy who's become a very big business owner and a guy who actually has become a state senator in w- <laughs> out of Wapaka. <laughs> so that gets some big headlines because this is not like I said, Eight years have passed. So the, between the murder and this time, this guy is now in state government. So they're arrested. And the theory is now this. This group of guys were at the local tavern in Wapaka. They got drunk. And they decided... decided to just go have some fun, yeah, basically? They, they decided, okay, we're going to scare the old man. <laughs> this guy is a goofy old guy let's just mess him up let's scare him real good so they go to the barber shop which is run by uh, a man named barnes and barnes is uh, a black man so the way that the newspaper describes him is not flattering and i'm not going to repeat the way they say it um (laughs) but but apparently they they borrow the rifle from this guy they're like hey barnes if you need a rifle he's like all right i'll give you a rifle (laughs) so they give him the rifle they go over to the bank, they bust in, and they scare Mead, and Mead's like, oh my gosh, I'm being robbed. And apparently, halfway through doing this, the drunk guys are like, wait a second, we probably shouldn't be doing this. We're going to get in some serious trouble for this. You know, at this point, if you're smart, what you do is you're like, 
let's get out of here. here. <laughs> yeah. But no, one of them, whoever the guy is who's holding the rifle, decides, well, we can't have them. We can't have him telling the authorities that we're messing with him. We got to shoot this guy. <laughs> good rationale, sir. Right. Good rationale. So they shoot him. And apparently he doesn't die at first, so they have to shoot him a second time. And and that's how they get the bloody handprints on the wall, because it's the guy they shot, like, the first time. And he's like, and he's, and he's, like, climbing on the yeah. walls and stuff. So they have to shoot him the second time. And the second time they shoot him, they shoot him right in the face. They end up actually, when they go to trial, they bring the skull. They dig him up, and they bring the skull to trial, because there's no face on this skull at all. It's completely blown away. Wow. So the, the original newspaper description... Of like the eyes and the blood and the like that's it's not an exaggeration. Like his face was gone. They go on trial. The trial lasts a while. I mean, over a month. It's a it's pretty much the biggest thing that's ever happened in Wapaka. So they're doing that, and the defense is really really good because. The story is that after they do this, then they go to the stable and they get a horse and they take the horse out of town. Well, they get the people at the stable to be like, no, they never, they were never here. Although coincidentally, the guy who runs the stable is the father-in-law of one of these guys. So it's like, okay, is he covering for him? I don't know. Another guy who testifies against them, they then the defense then gets six other people to go on the stand and say, no, that guy's a liar. Like, you can't believe anything he says. So every time the prosecution brings a witness on, the defense finds a bunch of guys to come and say, no, those guys are full of it. So I don't know if you can figure out where this story is going, but... They get off. They get off. Oh, my God. None of these guys end up serving any time. Maybe they were in jail while they were waiting to go to trial or something, but beyond that, they served no time. And officially, the case remains unsolved. To this day, many, many, many years later, 1929, so this is like 40 years later, the sheriff from Wapaka claims that in 1907, he got a deathbed confession from one of the men who were on trial, and he admitted to doing it. But of course, he was dying, so they're not going to bring him to trial. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you guys got the right people the first time. You just... Couldn't you couldn't it. do it. Their defense lawyer was very good. Apparently. Yeah. And, you know, that's not proof, um, but that's probably about the closest it's ever going to get because it's never been solved otherwise, and it's 140 years now. <laughs> so I'm pretty much sure that one's done. Strange thing. So they, they have the skull at the trial, right? And the skull's got no face. It's beat all to heck. Well, so after the trial, you would think the right thing to do is to put the skull back in the hole, right? Yeah. That's not what they do. What do they do? They get a glass display case, and they put it in the courthouse. Uh, why? Just so everybody can see it. So from the time of the trial up until 1990. Oh, my God. <laughs> the skull is in the Wapaka County Courthouse. You, see, you walk in, and you walk in around, hang out in the hallways, whatever, and there's a skull. So, so do you know what happens in 1990 that somebody realizes yeah. we should, probably shouldn't have a human skull in our courthouse? Right. So a, a local judge makes an order and he goes, there's no reason for this skull to be here. This doesn't provide any value whatsoever. So he's like, 
we're going to bury this skull. And he does whatever legal order he has to do, and he gets the skull buried back with the guy again. Before he does that, the newspaper shows up and takes a couple photos of the skull. So if anybody really wants to see the skull, they have photos, and you can look at it, and you can find this online. The photos are out there. But the actual skull is going back in the hole. So you cannot visit it in person anymore. Well, you really nailed some crazy ones on this story. Yeah. So I do have some questions. All right. More than likely, you're not going to know the answer That's so great. much to them. Those and are the they're best. completely off topic of the actual murder itself, mm-hmm. but it's just things that I'm curious about. Okay. So we're in 1880, right? Yeah, thereabouts. From from what the way you described it, this guy owned a bank. And mm-hmm. It sounds like this was his bank. And he was yep. pretty much the only person that worked at it. I, as far as I know, yes. Do you know in the 1880s, is this a is this what a bank is? Yes. Okay. So, I actually do know that answer. Okay. So like you would have gone to Appleton, you would have gone down to Milwaukee. The banks are the same way. Yep. They're they're not like bigger conglomerates or something. No. I just That just kind of strike, strikes me as odd. No, but, banks are just owned by individuals and- there aren't a lot of chain banks, chain store banks at this point, um, and really not for a while. And banking in general was really weird because – so like the Federal Reserve – I don't want to go off on a tangent too much here. But the Federal Reserve didn't even come around until 1913. So now we've got like four or five banks, whatever it is, that like they're banks that can print money and mm-hmm. the Federal Reserve tells them how much money to print. So you can control for inflation and all this and that. Prior to that, that isn't how it was done. Okay. Um, You would get the designation of being a national bank. And then I don't know who decides how much money you could print, but you could print the money. And it was not that hard to be a national bank. There was a national bank in Kukana. Okay. There was a national bank in any number of small cities. I don't know if Wapaka had one or not, but maybe they did. And- and it's funny, like the dollar bills look like dollar bills, but where now today, when you get a dollar bill, I don't know how much people look at their dollar bills, but like there's a signature of like the secretary of the treasury and whatever on it. Mm-hmm. Like the bank president of the local bank would sign it. So would he have to literally sign it by hand? No, it's okay. it's, <laughs> it's, it's printed, but <laughs> but like so you you could have a dollar bill. And whatever city printed that dollar bill, that bank president has their signature on that bill. That's crazy. Yeah. So, like, every so many miles, there's a different bank printing money. I have no idea how they controlled that. But but they did have something in there that... I mean, you couldn't print an unlimited amount. It would screw, screw things, things up, up so bad. Yeah. So, there was somebody sitting there saying how much you could print. Right. There were clearly some rules, but it wasn't centrally controlled like it is now. That's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, banks used to be a very different thing because they didn't – they weren't centrally controlled. They didn't have – like now we've got like FDIC protection. If the bank gets robbed, the government will give you your money. You've got your money insured. Right. Back then, if somebody robbed the bank, oh, sorry, they stole your money. (laughs) I mean, if you kept your money in the drawer in the bank, then it's gone. That's – so weird. Yeah. 
I, it's it's kind of interesting because you look at it from that angle. You don't have that protection. Why were people back then putting money into a bank? But I guess they I mean, still, still paid, got the interest. Yeah, you still got paid an interest, and I'm sure the interest was probably much better. I, that I don't one, know. Once what we get now, that I don't know. But yeah, that's uh, banking was very basic. It was just a guy in a bank, <laughs> and and he and he ran it. You know, maybe there'd be a couple guys. If it's a bigger city, maybe a couple guys running it. But yeah, but for the most part, it wasn't like all of Appleton was can't. Well, Appleton probably only had one bank because it was so small. But if you went yeah. to a larger city, it wouldn't be like one entity that had like twelve different banks right. across the city. Probably. And it was weird because see, you'd have like the bank president, who's like you know the guy who runs the bank. But then, like now today, you've got bank tellers, and back then you didn't have such a thing as bank tellers. You had the bank cashier. And the bank cashier was a part owner of the – he'd be a stockholder in the bank. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have like employees. Like now, you know, you go to a bank and you got like high school kids, college kids like work in the counter. That would never happen back, back then. Because everybody that was involved in yeah. it was somehow – If you worked there, ch- you were a part owner of the you, bank. You had a chunk of the bank. Yeah. Interesting. Cool. So – and you, so you, you kind of talked about you don't really know what the population of I don't Wapaka was. I'm curious. Do you have any other murders in Wapaka? Because I just got to imagine that not Wapaka, at the moment. <laughs> like so, you uh, on your list of murders to go through, we're we're not probably going to see Wapaka again. Not for a while. I mean, I don't have one ready. Okay, but you know of other murders. No, I don't know of other murders, but I mean, I would be shocked if there, there aren't. Was, yeah. yeah, but it's just shocking to me that. Because I mean, at this 1880, I can't imagine there was there was anybody in Wapaka. Right. I mean, to anybody that doesn't know, Wapaka is quite a small community. I don't want to really take a guess at what the population of it is today, mm. unless you know off the top of your head. But it's I don't. But I don't think it's that big. Yeah, it can't be that big. I mean, I mean. As- Three thousand? Oh, I would have guessed more than that. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I see, and I. That's why. That's why I didn't want to take a guess. Yeah, <laughs> I would guess more than that, but it's not that big. It's the biggest city in Wapaka County, um, but it's still not big. There's, that, there's nothing in Wapaka County. Yeah, because there's nothing in Wapaka County. Yeah, no offense to anybody in Wapaka County, County. but it's true. There the chain of lakes are beautiful. So, yes, so. no, it's a it's a beautiful <laughs> county, but nobody yeah. lives there. So, all right. Well, I think. Unless you got something else. I well, one little tiny piece. Oh, you do have another piece. One little tiny piece, yeah. So apparently there was a book um, called The Headless Banker that was uh, released in 2001. And the book is 561 pages long. Wow. Uh, it contains the story as well as a number of copies of official papers and documents from the case. Now, I have not seen this book. I took the story today just from newspaper accounts. Uh, but the thing is, I looked this book up, and it must be out of print, because on Amazon, like used copies are going for ninety nine ninety nine. Oh, bummer! <laughs> so um, probably a great book, but I I cannot recommend it one way or the other because I'm not paying a hundred bucks to read it. So, <laughs> uh, but, but if you are that interested, it is available, or you can always check with your local library. Right. <laughs> Does our local library have this book in circulation? If they do don't, know? they can get it. Oh, how do they get it? Oh, there's a beautiful thing called interlibrary loan. Well, yeah, but I mean, is this book rare enough that none of the libraries would have it? Uh, it so, <laughs> for, 
I would teach people about libraries here. <laughs> so, so the, all libraries, regardless of what system they're in, if they're in the state of Wisconsin, they're connected through a thing called WizCat. Okay. Uh, which is the Wisconsin catalog. And if the book is in any library in the state, whether it's a local library, a college library, doesn't matter. If the book exists in any library in the state, you can request it. So somebody has to have has a this copy book. of this book. UW Madison has a ridiculous amount of books. They probably have it. Um, Wapaka probably has it. It'd be really weird yeah, if Wapaka that, didn't have that's a copy. True. That is very so true. So I I would be shocked if you could not order a copy. I cannot say that you can get one like walk into your library and it's going to be sitting on the shelf. But, you know, give them a few days. They could probably track one down. I would be fascinated to read this book, but I would also be like, it is 500 pages. Yeah. I mean, what in God's name? I, I think they have, like, actual transcripts from the trials and stuff. Wow. I don't know. Like I said, I didn't see the book. But when it says it, it has copies of official papers and documents, I'm assuming that- they actually, like, scanned the court case. Wow. That is quite a uh, – quite a adve- – quite a book to write for something so small and such a niche yeah. topic, I would yeah. think. But it may be the most exciting thing ever to happen to a pack. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> At least probably the craziest. Yeah. So, so, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap this one up. Um, if you enjoy this podcast, if you could leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. And as always, we will be back in two weeks with another episode. Gavin, do you have anything you want to add to this? No, not really. I guess uh, if somebody has a favorite, I don't know if that's the right word, but if somebody has a favorite case that they'd like to uh, submit, uh, you know, email me at milwaukeemafia at gmail.com. Um, and as long as it's nothing too recent that's going to offend somebody, I'd be happy to cover it. Yeah, cool. Then we will be back in two weeks. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.